Welcome to the world of critical care. Today's episode is our final sodium physiology episode before we move into two kind of back-to-back episodes on hyponatremia and hypernatremia. So what happens when we have elevated sodium levels and then when we have below normal sodium levels. And I think just some of these baseline physiology discussions are really helpful because it starts for us to think through more critically what we would be expecting to see or not expecting to see when we have high or low sodium levels. And so today, the last episode here is just on our cardiac muscle cells, our cardiomyocytes and how they go about their contraction with their action potential. And I think it's valuable to compare that to the previous episode we talked about in neurons and the action potential. And the cardiac muscle cells work a little bit differently. So a lot of our same principles are the same, but we do see some unique characteristics. And I think it's helpful to lay this foundation too, because as we move into discussions of potassium and calcium and magnesium, we already kind of understand a little bit more to baseline what's going on with our cardiac muscle cells. Now, our cardiomyocytes are kind of interesting in that they can actually be stimulated in multiple different ways. So first, we can have nerve stimulation. So we can have neuron stimulation causing our cardiomyocytes to trigger. So we're going to be able to trigger that action potential, but we can also have signaling by nearby cells. And so we can actually have cells. And we kind of talked about that with the neuron and the movement down the neuron that can cause sequential signaling. We can see something of a similar effect in our cardiomyocytes. But what's really unique about cardiomyocytes is that they have what's called myogenic activity. They can actually trigger or create their action potential can be, we can have that depolarization actually on its own with no nerve stimulus or no nearby cell stimulus. And that's one of the unique aspects of our our cardiomyocytes. It's important, especially when we think about things like dysrhythmias and how we treat our dysrhythmias. And that's something to keep in mind, too. It's going to be long down the road, but there's a future episode where we're going to talk about dysrhythmias and some of the medications we use. And so think about that, because when we talk through the different phases of this action potential and the different ion channels that open or close, many of our medications we're using to stop dysrhythmias are working on these ion channels. Now, we know kind of in general how our action potential works, right? So we have a net negative charge inside our cell, and so we have electrochemical gradient, right? And so we have a little bit more positive charge on the outside, a little more negative on the inside. But remember, a lot of that is determined because we have a larger amount of our positive charges on the outside and we have that little bit of leaking of potassium out of our cells. Now, that is counteracted, though, by our diffusion gradients, right, to our concentration gradients. Remember, potassium has a significantly higher concentration inside the cell, and so it wants to move outside the cell to create equilibrium. But of course, potassium's positively charged, and it's very positive on the outside of the cell. And so we have that, that interaction, right, between our electrochemical gradient and our diffusion at concentration gradient. We have a similar thing with sodium, right? Sodium is significantly more concentrated on the outside of our cell, so it would love to move inside the cell. But 
that can't easily happen because again, we have a situation where our sodium ion channels, those are really locked down tight and so they can't move. And so our cardiomyocytes have a similar thing going on, but we want to start thinking about some other electrolytes. And so normally, and, and we just talked about it, our sodium and potassium are going to work similarly in a cardiomyocyte, but we're also going to think about calcium. So inside our cell, we have a lower concentration of calcium. On the outside, we have elevated calcium level. Remember, calcium carries a plus two charge. Now, after calcium, we're going to have chloride. So chloride is going to be a negative charge. It's an anion. Now, chloride is going to be at a higher concentration outside our cell, lower concentration inside our cell. And then finally, of course, we talked about it already, but potassium, right, working on our similar gradients. Now, the resting action potential of a cardiomyocyte is actually a little bit more negative than our negative 70 when we talked about with our neurons. So it's actually negative 90. Now, what's unique about this resting potential is that it is a bit more negative. This is what we call phase four of our cardiomyocyte action potential. Now, in this situation, we are having a significant, you know, a fairly significant amount of potassium that does leak outside of the cell that really helps us maintain this. We're also looking at the sodium potassium pump again to help maintain this action potential. Now, we're going to move into phase zero, which is that depolarization. So this is what we start to think about when we activate our action potential. So similar to our neuron, our sodium channels open up. Now, what's really important to think about this, though, is that our sodium channels are super fast and short in our cardiomyocyte. So the sodium, the channel opens up and the sodium rushes into our cell, right? Because there's such a massive concentration gradient that it will actually overpower that electrochemical gradient, right? So we have a ton of positive uh, cations flowing in to our cell, and that causes that depolarization. Remember, it was negative 90 millivolts. Now it's gonna start moving in a positive direction. So we start seeing negative 90, negative 80, negative 70, 60, 50, 40. Around negative 40 millivolts, something really important happens. Our calcium channels open. Remember, calcium's higher concentration outside the cell, it's going to want to move in, and it's a plus two positive charge. Now, these are called L-type. L-type means long, and so these channels are actually open quite a bit longer, and so that's important to remember. So now as calcium is coming into the cells, we're getting even more positive to the point where we are now positive 30 millivolts. So we've had that full reversal, so we are in full depolarization. Now this moves, so when you think about that action potential, it peaks up, and we hit our peak point, and that is phase one. So we've gone from phase four is resting, phase zero is where the sodium channels open, we start depolarization, phase, and then phase one, we're at the peak of our depolarization, at this point, our sodium channels are going to close around 30 millivolts, positive 30. Now, at this point, we have our calcium channels, and they open slowly. And what this allows is potassium to start to move out of the cell. So now remember, our cell is 
overwhelmingly positive now, so a positive charge leaving potassium, we're going to slowly start returning back to our baseline. But what's unique about this part here is that it's quite long. So our sodium channels are closed. Our calcium channels are still open. So calcium is still coming into the cell, but potassium is leaving the cell. And what we end up having is an equalization between calcium coming in and, and the potassium leaving the cell. And this is phase two. This is that plateau phase. Now, <clears throat> there's, there's a few different ways I've seen this explained. Some people kind of call this an, an extension of depolarization. I've seen some call it a plateau phase. This is what's really unique about our cardiomyocytes. We don't have this quick, sudden return back to our baseline. You remember, you see that inflection up for our action potential, and then it kind of plateaus off for quite an extended period of time, right? And that's accomplished because of that interaction between our sodium channels closed, but our potassium and calcium are still open. And so potassium moves out, calcium moves in, they're in equilibrium. And that continues until we move to phase three. Now, phase three, what's happening here is that we want to get back to our baseline, right? And at this point, our calcium channels finally close. And at this point, we get a significant amount more potassium moving out now. And at this point, we're able to slowly start to move back to that negative 90 millivolts. And so those are the things we kind of think about. And of course, too, we talked in the last episode about our sodium potassium pump and how that works, right, to help really return us, restore us to the resting potential. Now, I think the value of, of talking about this in a little more detail is because we see how important one sodium is just to derive our action potential, right? Our action potential occurs because of our significant amount of sodium outside a cell. If our sodium is significantly lower, that's going to affect our action potential, right? Because it may not be able to overwhelm that electrochemical gradient because we're focused on that massive concentration gradient, right? So those are the things we think about. I think, too, this is interesting because we start to see why when we look at something that could block a sodium channel, we think about a calcium channel blocker. We think about something that could work on our potassium, right? We, we start to understand some of our medications and how they work in our cardiac cycle. And so I think this is always an interesting um, thing to consider when we look at our cardiomyocytes. So today was sort of a short episode, but I think it just highlights the, one of the final big roles sodium plays in something so critical as our cardiac function. So the plan this week is on Thursday to release an episode on hyponatremia, and then I'll do hypernatremia ideally either this weekend or Monday. And that will kind of finish up sodium, but we're going to do some really good in-depth overviews of why, in particular with hyponatremia, when are we concerned, when are we not, how low is too low, how do we treat it, and vice versa for hypernatremia. And I think these are going to be two really important topics because they're used extensively in critical care. And then after that, we're going to move into a discussion of potassium. So thanks for listening to this short episode, and I look forward to our episode on Thursday.